welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Hancock and Commissioners for Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. The citation for this case is 2019 UKSC 24. And this week we have another tax case on our hands, so we will try not to get too ahead of ourselves and explain some of the key principles right from the word go. QCBs are going to be the main focus, and that stands for Qualifying Corporate Bonds. Shares in a company can be exchanged for QCBs, but then the first question is, why would you want to do that? As a starting point, a QCB allows the profit, or as it is properly called the capital gain, to be deferred until a later date. That is not much of an advantage if you can call it an advantage at all, but Alongside that, the QCB can be treated as a security as well, meaning that it is basically remains a share and can be exchanged as such. All of this is potentially very useful, but the selling point for us is that QCBs are exempt from capital gains tax, thanks to section 115 of the Taxation of Chargeable Gains Act 1992. This is in stark contrast to other types of loan notes that we will just call non-QCBs and are subject to capital gains tax in the UK. The next question might be why doesn't everyone just use QCBs if it means that you don't have to pay tax? That is a fair question but you won't be surprised to hear that the treasury still gets their fill. You see QCBs will at some point be used as a form of consideration and that brings them back into the scope of capital gains tax which will become due once the security is actually realised. This is called rollover relief. Putting all of this to the back of our minds, let's now turn to the facts of this case before us today. Mr and Mrs Hancock both had shares in their company called Blue Beckers Limited, but wanted to dispose of them in such a way that they were not liable to pay corporate gains tax. To do this, they first exchanged the shares for loan notes that were non-QCBs. Following on from this, they varied a proportion of those notes in such a way that they did become QCBs. At this point, they had both QCBs and non-QCBs, but for the final step, the Hancocks took both sets and converted them all into secure discounted loan notes, which, as loan notes, fell under the classification of being QCBs themselves. Those notes were then exchanged into cash, and the process was complete. From the point of view of the courts, this case centred around that final conversion of the two sets of notes. Within the wording of the legislation, should that all be considered one single conversion, or is it multiple different conversions? For the first tier tribunal, this was a single conversion within the meaning of section 116 of the Taxation and Chargeable Gains Act 1992, and that was good news for the Hancocks, as it would mean the transaction avoids capital gains tax. Unfortunately for them, HMRC appealed and was successful in arguing before both the Upper Tribunal and the Court of Appeal that there were separate transactions and they were thus taxable. With this important question still in the balance, the proceedings moved up to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick things up. The justices began by noting that just because the Hancocks themselves used just the one transaction, that itself is not a decisive factor and instead it is necessary to look into the facts of the case. Nevertheless, a look at the wording of the legislation does offer some hope for the couple. Section 116 1b uses the phrase, quote, 
consist of or include a qualifying corporate bond, end quote. And so the idea clearly exists in the law that there might well be one transaction that does include both QCBs and non-QCBs. On the other hand, such an interpretation would clearly mitigate against the policy intention that exists behind the legislation, as it would allow for the relatively easy avoidance of capital gains tax, as is what happened in this case. All of this left the Supreme Court in a bit of a bind. Do they simply apply the law as it is written down in statute like the first tier tribunal did, or should they be more liberal and take a purposive approach like that adopted by the Court of Appeal? In the end, they actually ended up much closer to the position of the upper tribunal, who instead looked to the surrounding legislation in order to achieve a much more favourable interpretation. For example, section 132 establishes that the conversion of each bond should be thought of as a separate transaction, and this seemingly goes against the idea of a mixed conversion that we have already discussed in relation to section 116. That uncertainty left enough of an opening for the Supreme Court to exploit, and so the purposive conclusion could be reached while remaining on a fairly solid legal footing. With the appeal dismissed, we can move on to our analysis of the case, and really the main question is whether the Supreme Court did a good job by finding a middle ground that took them to the conclusion they wanted to draw, or if in fact this is really the worst of both worlds. Lady Arden gave the lead judgement in this case, and she herself does admit that where the intention of Parliament is obvious, it may sometimes be necessary to strain the wording that exists in legislation to its limits. However, this is clearly not an ideal state of affairs, and so what we see here is an attempt to pull as much of the legislation in line with the intention of Parliament, without straying into complete purposivism, as is what happened with the Court of Appeal. Unfortunately, I think this is a complete lie that the justices are using to deceive themselves as much as anyone else. In reality, they are falling into the same trap that they are seeking to avoid, in spite of the valiant attempt to get around it. Section 116 is pretty clear in its meaning, and has just been poorly drafted insofar as it attempts to reflect the intention of Parliament. At this stage, there is not much that can be done about this. It wasn't caught at the time and has not arisen during the intervening period, but that doesn't mean we can just ignore it. Instead, the court should have taken its lead from the first tier tribunal, who simply looked at the words and applied the law as they saw it on the page. I'm sure the judge in that case would not have liked the conclusion any more than the other judges who later became involved higher up in the court hierarchy, but that is not a relevant factor. All of this may sound a little bit too close to the literalist approach, but that is not true. I think that there is room for purposivism within statutory interpretation, but that has to have its limits, and when the words do completely contradict what the purported intention of Parliament is, then unfortunately there is little choice but to apply the words as they stand. If Parliament did have a different meaning in mind, then it is up to them to proactively make a change. Drawing on other parts of the statute as the justices did is fine, but it does not cure a defective provision, try as hard as they might. No one wanted to see the Hancocks get away with not paying tax in this scenario, and that is an understandable sentiment, but it does not justify risking the certainty of tax legislation in order to achieve that singular goal. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. 
A couple of shout outs to do, first to Shoot the Drummer and then also to C. Mensa who both left reviews of the podcast on iTunes, that is very much appreciated. I'm not sure what's happening with iTunes over the next few months, I think it might be closing down, but I'm sure that Apple will retain those reviews and uh, probably replace it with a different separate podcast service. So if you do get time to leave a podcast review on iTunes or whatever app you're using uh, to listen to this podcast on, that is always very much appreciated and I'll make sure to give you a shout out on one of the future episodes. Well that's all from me this week, I'll be back next week with another case to look at, but for now... Bye!